Today, we wrap up our sermon series called General Admission. This is where we really are, are tackling what culture says to us, what it tells us, particularly through movies and, and media, and it, uh, where we find our significance and how we're to love one another and what love really means. And um, we, we want to compare and contrast that with really what the Bible says. And today, I am going to attempt to do that with the movie Maleficent. So I need you guys to pray for me. Okay, is that a deal? All right, before anything we do at the church, we want to ask God for his guidance. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Father, I just thank you for another day. I thank you for the breath that you give. Everything that we have is a precious gift from you. Father, we are here all from just different places in life, different stages in life. Father, some of us have had the best week and some of us have had the worst. But we all sit here, Father, to hear what you have to say to us this morning. So Father, we ask you to challenge us, to move us, to motivate us, to encourage us through your word and only your word. So Father, we just commit this service to you and we ask these things in your son's name. We all pray together. Amen. Okay, so Maleficent starts is this, is this beautiful fairy tale. There's, there's two kingdoms. There's a, a kingdom of humans that, it, that is led by this, this greedy, greedy king. And living right next door to them is this kingdom of fairies. Right? They get along and live in such harmony together, they don't even, they don't even need a king. And everything is just fine. They're living lives side by side until one day, one of the human boys, Stefan, decides to go into the land of the fairies and steal a jewel. Well, Stefan gets caught. And in the process of getting caught, he meets this beautiful fairy named Maleficent. And as you can imagine, because it's a fairy tale, these two kind of like each other. Right? They, they fall in love. Despite their, their, their significant difference between them, they fall in love. But the relationship was not meant to be. You see, Stefan got caught up in all that the human world had to offer, and he quit coming into the land of the fairies, which was the land of the Moors is what they were. And he quit coming around. And also at the same time, Maleficent is growing up to be the, the biggest and the strongest of the fairies. And actually, she ends up being the protector of the Moors. Well, the king, the human king, doesn't like that, that the fairies are getting strong. So he decides to attack them. And he, especially, he wants Maleficent taken out. So he offers up whoever would go and get her and bring her back to him or kill her that they would become the new king, the next king of this human kingdom. Well, Stefan is the one fueled by greed and power to be king. He decides to go over and capture Maleficent. In an unbridled act of betrayal, he cuts off her wings and brings them back to the king to prove that she is dead. Well, the word holds true. After the king dies, Stephen is put into place as the new king of the human kingdom. He gets married and he has a baby, Princess Aurora. Okay, now Maleficent is just angry. 
for what had happened to her, and she decides that she is going to exact revenge on this family for having her wings cut off. And what she does is she places a curse on Princess Aurora. That if she happens to prick her finger before she turns 16 years old, that she will fall into this to a deep sleep. And the only way for her to be awoken from this sleep is through uh, true love's kiss. And Maleficent's figuring, you know what? This curse is going to last forever because there is no such thing as true love. Look what I just went through, right? And was betrayed. Well, when this happens, the king sends Princess Aurora away to protect her. He sends her away with these three nitwits to kind of look over her. And for you guys to know, the scene this movie, these, they're pretty three big nitwits, these three taking care of her. Right, it wouldn't be much of a movie if she doesn't fall into the deep sleep. So just at the last minute, she pricks her finger and she falls into this deep sleep. But this is a fairy tale, right? So a handsome prince shows up to save the day. He leans over and he kisses her and nothing. Disney tricked us. Right, but it wasn't a true love's kiss. But there would be a hero in this movie. You see, Maleficent grew to love Princess Aurora as she grew up. And as she stood over her, vowing to protect her while she was in this deep sleep, she kissed her on the forehead and the curse was broken. And that's the end of the fairy tale. They live happily ever after. So there you go. I saved you 90 minutes. I saved... I saved you $17 from buying it or at least a dollar from renting it from Redbox. You can all thank me after the service is over. But you know, I think we watch fairy tales because it's kind of an escape from life, right? We kind of check out of what's going on in our lives and we see, you know, this happy ending and all this stuff. And, but I think despite the fact that this movie was about fairies and talking tree-like creatures and dragons and all this other stuff. There are, there are themes in this movie that, that, that we can relate to. There, there are strings in this movie that all, we have all dealt with at some point in our life. You see, this whole story revolves around this curse. The whole early part of this movie revolves around trying to Protect the curse from happening as they send her off in this land. The second part of the movie is all about trying to get her out of the curse and rescue her from the curse. Now, although you and I don't deal with a fear of being thrown under a curse, but all of us, all of us at some point or level in our life had suffered from the root cause of the curse, the reason the curse was put into place in the first time, first place, and that is betrayal. Maleficent! Maleficent! So... 
how is life with the humans? Maleficent, I've come to warn you. They mean to kill you. King Henry will stop at nothing. Please, you have to trust me. They spoke of many things, and the years faded away. And she forgave Stefan, his folly and his ambition. And all was as it had been long ago. Betrayal is painful. As we saw towards the tail end of that scene, there's an implication that there's a physical pain from her wings being removed as she reached around her back. But then just a moment later, her, 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 her scream was, was, was deeper, uh, from deeper within, because that was the realization that, that, that she was emotionally betrayed by the one that she had loved the most. See, Maleficent was living her life. 
She was the protector of the moors. She helped people. She loved people. She flittered around and did what it is what she needed to do. And it even had gotten better because her lost long love, Stefan, was back in her life. Her life was rolling along, rolling along. And it just like that, the snap of a finger, she was betrayed and her life was changed forever. See, metaphorically speaking, I believe that there are times in our life when we have our wings clipped emotionally, that our life is just kind of rolling along. We're, we're in our job, we're, we're married, we have our, our children, and life is just going along, then out of nowhere, just like this, our spouse cheats on us. Our spouse lies to us. Or a, or a good friend that we trusted with, with something very personal goes and, and, and shares it with others. Or maybe it's a, a parent or a, or a mentor that means so much in your life, lies to you or, or, or keeps the truth from you. Or maybe it's a, a, a coach that you look up to that embarrassed you in front of your teammates. See, undoubtedly, we have all in our life have gotten to a, to a, a place in our lives where, where we've been betrayed by somebody, that somebody has let us down. You see, I, I say this confidently because betrayal has been a problem since the beginning of time. It, it's all over the Bible. It starts with the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve, when they betrayed God and ate fruit from the tree that they were not supposed to. Their firstborn son, Cain, betrayed his brother through, because of rage and anger, and he killed Abel. And in the most famous betrayal of them all, Judas Iscariot betraying Jesus and turning it over to the Roman guards for 30 silver coins. You see, betrayal hurts and stings so deep because it comes from the people that are closest to us, from the, from the people that we love, that know us the best. See, when the people that don't know us or, the, or our enemies, when they do stuff against it, it's easier to brush off. We can recover or we kind of expect it from them. But, but when we are betrayed by the people that love us, the hurt is deep. And then when that happens, we respond in one, or two, one of two ways. First, some of us will try to respond internally. Do we start to do a, a self-assessment of what's going on in my life? What did I do to betray? What did I do to deserve this betrayal? What, what can I fix inside of me so that person doesn't hurt me like that again? Right, we look inside. Or the other option is, is to respond externally. Looking at the person that did that to you, wanting to hold them responsible, just like Maleficent, seeking revenge, wanting to get even. Right? We, we do it publicly sometimes. We, we put it on Facebook. We make it our story on Instagram or Snapchat, whatever that thing is. Right? 
We, we tweet about it because we want everyone to know this person did this to me. This person hurt me. Beware because this person's going to do it to you too. We'll, 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 we'll yell at them. We'll, we'll put them down. Or maybe we're quiet. Or maybe we, we cut them out of our lives all together. You see, revenge takes many shapes and forms when we try to get even for when somebody has hurt us. But see, this, this hatred and in, 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 in this, this desire to exact revenge on somebody can simply take over our lives. And if we're not careful, it can become who we are. And we see that in this movie as well. King Stefan ordered his men to seize every spinning wheel in the kingdom. The wheels were broken and burned that they might never be used and thrown into the deepest dungeon in the castle. Secretly, he entrusted the safety of the child to the magic of the pixies, who would take her to a remote hideaway for 16 years and a day. Stefan shut himself behind the walls of his castle, while his soldiers rode far and wide to hunt Maleficent down. But she made walls of her own, that the Moors might never again suffer the touch of any human. And she reveled in the sorrow that her curse had brought. See, as we see in this clip, Maleficent had transformed from this beautiful princess, loving, taking care of people, into this, this, this witch. There was her sole focus became seeking revenge for what was done for her. It started, it taken over her life. She reveled in the sorrow and the hurt that she brought to that family. She reveled in that. And it said she built up walls around her to make sure that that hurt would never happen again. And you see, this is exactly where the issue with us comes into play. This is exactly where this issue comes into our life. And I want you to hear me on this. Now I know betrayal is painful. It's a hurt and it, that hurt runs deep inside of us. But get this, betrayal doesn't kill us. Someone lying to us does not kill us, who we are as a person. Somebody cheating on us does not kill us as a person. Someone talking behind our back does not kill us as a person. Don't miss this. We know we have a wound from this betrayal. The wound doesn't kill us. The infection that comes from the wound is what kills us. And that infection is the malice, the hate, the anger, the revengefulness that fuels and feeds our inability to forgive the person that betrayed us. That 
infection inside of us starts to take over our lives and kills who we are and who we were created to be as a person. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to forgive because if we forgive, that means we think that it makes right what they did to us. That if we forgive, somehow we let them off the hook for how they hurt us. Or if we forgive them, it's going to give them a license to do it all over again. Maybe not only to me, but to somebody else. But you know what? That's not what forgiveness is. In fact, forgiveness isn't even about them. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is saying, you know what? I don't hold you responsible for what you did anymore. Forgiveness is saying, you know what? I'm letting you off the hook for hurting me and I don't expect anything from you. Forgiveness is saying, you don't have to make right what you did to me. And just like Princess Aurora, the only way to break this, this curse or this infection inside of us is through true love. Because remember what I said earlier, the betrayal comes from those that you love the most, not our enemies. So the power to forgive and stop our infection of unforgiveness comes from true love. I will not ask your forgiveness because what I've done to you is unforgivable. I was so lost in hatred and revenge. Sweet Aurora, you stole what was left of my heart and now I've lost you forever. long as I live and not a day shall pass that I don't miss your smile The true love demonstrated by Maleficent broke 
the curse. And don't lose sight of the unspoken part of that scene where Princess Aurora smiles. And the implication of that smile is that she had forgiven Maleficent for ever putting her under the curse the very first place. See, as it's depicted in this scene, forgiveness is is life-giving. Forgiveness is freeing for both the person receiving it and the person giving it because we're, we're no longer held hostage to hate and revenge and malice, trying to get even with somebody, right? It, it frees us up to the, be the people that we are created to be. It's powerful regardless whether you're on the end, the receiving end, or you're the giver. Forgiveness is powerful. There is no doubt about that. And you know that for, with certainty if you've been on the receiving end of it. But let me tell you something. There is a forgiveness that is far greater than any forgiveness we can ever offer or receive from one another in here. And that forgiveness comes directly from God to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why. See, we have spent this first part of our time together this morning on this main storyline in this movie, which is betrayal and forgiveness. Right? It's important for us to talk about these things because these are things that we deal with in our life and how we respond to one another and how we live with one another and how we navigate this world because at, all, at some point we've all been betrayed. And most likely we all have betrayed someone else. We all do it. You see, this goes back to what I said earlier. Betrayal has been around from the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve. When they ate that fruit, from that tree that they were not supposed to, that that first crunch of that fruit, sin entered their lives. And that sin separated them from God. And that original sin, as it's called, has been passed down from generation to generation to every person, including every single one of us in this room and all of you on our online campus. Every one of us, without exception, Paul writes like this to the Roman church in Romans 3, chapter 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we betray each other in the first place. That's why we lie to each other. That's why we cheat. That's why we steal. That's why we talk behind each other's back. That's why we envy. That's why we lust after one another. It is the sin inside of us that leads us astray. And that sin is not only against each other. Ultimately, that sin is against God. And because God is righteous and God is just, there is a penalty for that sin. And Scripture tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages or the penalty of that sin is death. Now, Paul's not talking about a, just a physical death, right? We all know the mortality rate is still hovering around 100%. We are all going to die. Paul is also talking about a spiritual death. 
that this sin inside of us causes this separation between us and between God that we can't fix. And this separation, and I'll be blunt with you, it's basically spending eternity in hell. That's what this sin does to us. But the good news is that this story does not stop there. Because God's word says we can be forgiven of our sins. When you check this out in scripture, I want you to turn, take your Bibles and turn to 1 John, the book of 1 John. So if you start all the way at the end in Revelation, you're going to go back four books, Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 is where we're going to spend some time right now. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Right, like I said earlier, is, is, is this forgiveness that John's talking about right here is a beautiful, freeing thing. The Bible goes on to say that God takes our sin and separates it from itself. He takes our sin and separates it from himself as far as from the east is from the west. He throws it into the bottom of the sea. He tramples it under his feet. He takes it and throws it behind his back so he doesn't see it anymore. That is the power of forgiveness that comes through God, through Jesus Christ. But as we've seen in this movie, the power of that forgiveness is fed and comes from true love from God. And that true love is demonstrated in John 3, 16. They said, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, right? Shall not perish means not spending eternity in hell, but have eternal life with him in heaven. That's the promise from God. That's the forgiveness that comes from God. And that comes through Jesus, that he was sent here to pay the price, to pay the penalty. Remember, we talked about the wages of sin is death. Jesus is the one that came to die so our sins can be forgiven. Now that is true love. God's love of you and I. Now let's talk about this forgiveness just a little bit longer on this verse, this first John verse. So let's start and look at this verse, verse eight. It says, if we claim, the good news for you guys, I'm not writing and you know how bad my handwriting is. I'm just drawing today. So if we claim to be without sin, right? If we claim to be without sin. It doesn't say if you are without sin. We already covered that. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we claim, right? We either own our sin or we claim that we don't have sin. It's one or the other. And it says, if we claim to be without sin, if we say that we don't have sin, what does it say? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And when are we most likely to deceive ourselves? When things are good. When I, I've got it all going on. I'm making enough money. 
I have a happy little family. I, put, I was nice to my wife. I put in a hard day's work. I was nice to my kids. I took them to Kennywood. I helped out my neighbor's lawnmower was broken. I, go, I went to a Bible Institute class on Wednesday night. I'm, I, I was baptized this year. My, my skill's feeling pretty good. My, my good's outweighing the bad. I, I've got this sin thing under control. You deceive yourselves, John says. Think about it the other way. Right? When, we're, when we're suffering uh, from another poor and self, selfish decision, we're suffering the implications of something we, stupid we've done. We've been caught lying, talking behind somebody else's back. We've been caught cheating. And we're staring at ourselves in the mirror. And we, we see our sin. We see our shortfalls. We know how broken we are. <laughs> we're not in a position to deceive ourselves because we see it written all over us. We know how broken we are on the inside. See, the truth is this. Just because we don't acknowledge our brokenness, it doesn't mean it's not there. We can make ourselves all pretty walking in on church on Sunday. We can fill our lives with jobs and bank accounts and success and job titles and make ourselves feel better about ourselves. But that doesn't change our sinful nature and our broken heart and the depravity of our, our situation separated from God. See, if you don't realize how broken and how desperate your situation is away from God, you deceive yourselves. That's what John's saying in verse eight. Okay, let's look at verse nine. Okay, here's this word, if again. That means we have a choice. So we are sinners. Now it says, if we confess our sins, right? Since we know we're a sinner, we can either confess it or not confess it, right? We're told to confess our sins to God. It says, if we do confess our sins with God, what does he say? And I love this, right? It says, if you go to God, and you confess your sins, John doesn't immediately jump into and say, here's your penalty. He doesn't do that. John says, what first? Before he ever deals with how God's gonna deal with you, he reminds you that God is faithful. So take your stuff to him, but don't worry. God is faithful, right? Faithful means loyal. He is steadfast, Regardless of what you take to him, how bad you think it is, how long the list is, God is steadfast. He is loyal. He's not going to turn his back on you. And then he goes on to say that he is just. He still hasn't dealt with the penalty. He is loyal and steadfast, but don't forget that he is just. Right, and this is this is meaning that there's a there's a, a conformity to a set of expectations, and in other words, he's saying here, John's saying that that God is equitable, so that if you confess your sins, you take them before God. He is faithful; he won't turn his back on you. He's just; he's going to deal with you equitably. So he lets us know that first, and then what's he say? He will forgive us. 
What's that word, folks? Will. He will, he will, he will. There's no condition. He will forgive you. Not he might, not he may. He will forgive you. And then it goes on to say what? Forgive what? Our sins. Again, there's no qualifier. Not some of them. Not a few of them. Not most of them. He forgives our sin. And not only does he forgive our sin, another and, he purifies us from all unrighteousness. Right? That he washes us away. He makes us pure inside. He takes the contaminants outside, out of us. That's why when we're in relationship with him, he says he sees our sin no longer. Because he purifies us. He doesn't see our sin any longer. And it's recorded by the prophet Isaiah. In chapter 1, verse 18, Isaiah records what the Lord says. He says, come now, let us reason together. Through your sins are like, although your sins are like scarlet, they shall be washed as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Now I think in today's modern world of washing machines and OxyClean and stain remover, I think this verse loses really the impact. Because if we look at the, at, the, at the time and context in which this verse was written, it was impossible to get red out of fabric. They could not get red out of the wool. They couldn't do it. So the reader or the hearer of this verse had to be like, whoa, 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 hold on one second. You can't get the color out of that. that. That's impossible. You can't do that when they heard this. And you know what? I think the same is true with us. We read that verse and say, hold on one second. Scott, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Look at the resume of stuff that I have sitting here. There is no way that God is willing to forgive this sin. And you know what I say? That verse says, yes, he can. And better yet, yes, he will. It doesn't matter how long the list. It doesn't matter how bad you think the sin is. That verse says, and many others say, God will forgive you. It's just like Maleficent. In that last clip, she stood over Princess Aurora. She said, I won't even ask for unforgiveness because I am unforgivable. And you know what? This is exactly the way that I felt as a 31-year-old man in this world, that I looked at my body of work for those first 31 years and there was no way that I could be forgiven. And I looked at that body of work, no, only did I think no way was I able to be forgiven, but there's no way that God would be able to use me. And I accepted Christ as my personal savior. 
I was so embarrassed about what I had done in my life that I didn't even tell anybody that I accepted Christ, including my wife and family, because of that list of stuff. So that's what I want to address with you believers. Why do we do that? Scripture says that he took our sin and separated himself as far as from the east as from the west. But yet we know we're forgiven, but we, but we have our sins all, all, all packed up in these bags. And we drag it around with us from relationship to relationship, from place to place, like they define us. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. And, 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 and we, we just carry this around with us. And, 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 and that's God's word says that we have been redeemed. He doesn't even see that sin anymore, and we take it with us. Believers, we need to put it away and not look at it. Because it's not who we are. God sees us purely the way that he created us. Now, if you haven't placed your trust in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Why? Is it the list of things that you look at and say, I am unforgivable? And let me tell you something that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Everyone in this room is broken and fallen. And we only live through the grace of Jesus Christ. So my challenge to you today is to not buy into the lies of what this world says. That you can somehow earn your way to God. That somehow all these good things that you're doing is going to get you into heaven. There's only one way to spend eternity with God, and that is through accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. By Him forgiving you of your sins and paying the penalty for the things you have done in the past, the things that you are doing, and the things that you will do for the rest of your life. That relationship in Jesus gives you certainty and hope today. And the final time you close your eyes, then when you open them, you're going to see the face of God. True love. I'm going to ask the pastoral staff and directors and elders to come down front right now. And I want to say a prayer that if you have not placed your personal trust in Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. But I want you to hear me about this. This prayer is not what saves you. It is what God is doing inside of your heart. During the song or after the service, we'll be up here to pray for you guys. If you want to come and accept Jesus, your personal Savior, you've got a sin issue that you want to deal with, we'd be honored to do that. But if today's the day you give your life over to God and ask for forgiveness of your sins, just say this prayer after me. Dear Father, I sit here today admitting that I am 
broken, that I am sinful. And Father, I sit before you embarrassed by what I have done with my life. And all I can say is I am sorry to those I've hurt and I am sorry for hurting you. Father, I realize today for the first time that the things of this world are never going to earn my salvation. Not my job, not my car, not my good deeds, not my kind words, not my giving. That, that my eternity in heaven and my forgiveness of my sins can only come through Jesus Christ and believing that you sent him to die for me. So Father, today, I accept that free gift that you offer me, that free gift of life that comes through Jesus. And I want Jesus to be the leader of my life. So Lord, I trade my life for a life with you. I look forward to the exciting journey that you're going to place me on. Please surround me with people that will love me and care for me and support me in that. Thank you for saving me. It's in your son's name I say. Pray. Amen.